Thank you, Phil. It's time for all America to pray. We do need to pray, don't we? Prayer does have great power, and God wants us to come to him. Well, tonight we're going to start a look at Psalm 119. We're going to look at the first section of it. Psalm 119 is a real gem. It is a work of art, literally. It's one of those hidden treasures that a lot of people are not even aware of what it, what it is and how amazing it is. The 119th Psalm is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it is one of the greatest tributes to the Word of God, and it's in the Word of God itself. God uh, led the psalmist, this young psalmist, to write this incredible psalm as a tribute to, as a way of holding up the importance of God's Word, the law of God. This psalm has uh, 176 verses divided into 22 stanzas. And so each stanza has eight verses. Eight times 22, I think, is 176. And so each of the 22 stanzas has eight verses. And each stanza begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so each of the stanzas begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and each line in each stanza starts with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, we kind of lose that because we're reading it in English. But if you were a Hebrew reading this in Hebrew, you would immediately notice that the beginning letter of every line in the eight verses of the of e, of the stanza begins with the letter that corresponds to that stanza. So the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Aleph, like our A. And so th- we're going to look at that stanza tonight. And in this in this stanza these 8 verses, each of those verses begins with that Hebrew letter. And so this is, this is really an amazing work of art that God inspired to be written. And it almost without exception, all 176 verses, I think there may be four or five verses, that don't actually specifically refer or are not talking about the Word of God. The whole thing is really about God's Word, the law of God. And that ought to tell us something about how important the Word of God is to our lives. And that is what the focus of this great psalm is. So we're going to look at the first stanza, which really serves as kind of an introduction to the entire psalm, what we're going to see later throughout the psalm, starting there with verse 1. And so these are meditations on the excellencies of the Word of God, Aleph. The first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. 
who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. The study of the Bible can bring great joy, great happiness to the person who's willing to give himself or herself over to God's Word. And the longest of all of the Psalms, really the longest chapter in all the Bible, this 119th Psalm, is an example of this. The writer of this Psalm was giving himself over to the Word of God. This beautiful Psalm focuses on studying and meditating on the law of the Lord. Now, when we use the word meditation, meditating, uh, we don't mean what the world at large means when they talk about meditating. We're not talking about getting in touch with ourselves. When the Bible, and Rose pointed this out to me, she's beginning a study going through Psalms, looking every time the word meditate is used. And she, I think, very rightly pointed out that meditation in the Bible is always focused on us putting our focus on God and on His Word, not on ourselves. When you hear people talk about transcendental meditation or meditating with the Eastern religions, it's all about us getting in touch with ourselves, looking inside ourselves. Well, you're going to be lost as a goose if you look inside yourself. But if we look at God and his word, then we can find the direction that God has for us. So when we meditate uh, as Christians, we're putting our focus on what God is saying, what he says in his word, who he is, what he has done, and what he desires for our lives. And this uh, psalm really pushes us to study to listen, to meditate on the law of the Lord. These 22 stanzas push us to see just how beautiful God is and what he's done in his word. Now, many times it's called the precepts of the Lord, the law of the Lord. Of course, at the time this psalm was written, the written Bible was essentially what? the first five books of the Bible, right? And so the law, which is called the law, the law of Moses. And so that is why it's often referred to as the law of the Lord, meaning the word of the Lord, what God has commanded, what God has given for us. And so the revelation of God to man and his will for man as set forth in the law is what this psalmist was talking about. Now, the thing is, the psalmist didn't have as full an understanding as we do. We're so blessed today because some of the things the psalmist wishes for, we now have because Jesus has come. 
And he has given us his Holy Spirit to live within us. And so we're going to see as we go through this psalm, there are things the psalmist hopes for that we have now seen fulfilled as Christians because of what Christ has done for us. If you begin your Bible study, though, uh, in your life, primarily with the law, that's probably not the best place to begin. It's better to begin with reading about the grace of God. Martin Luther said you should read the Bible backwards. And what he meant by that was, don't, don't start your focus on Genesis. Start your focus on the cross, the resurrection, what Jesus has done. And then when you read the Old Testament, you read it through the, uh, the reality of who Jesus is. I think there is some validity to that. This psalmist didn't have that vision. He didn't have that view because Jesus had not yet come. But as we read the psalm, we can see that because we know what Christ has done for us. And so the psalmist, beginning here, uh, is focusing on the Bible that was available to him at the time, which was the law of Moses. What do we see here in this first stanza? Well, we see about the Word of God that it sets the standard high. God's word sets the standard high. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. There is a promise here. Happiness, blessed is the one who obeys the law, who obeys the word of God. And so happiness can come in the life of the person who is willing to submit himself or herself to what God tells us in his word now we now have all of the bible don't we not just the first five books of the bible and so as we open ourselves to the truth of god's word then it's god through his word that can change our hearts and that can bring the happiness that god wants the joy that god wants to be true in your life and mine God's word promises joy to those who seek the Lord with a whole heart. Look at verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. We are to seek God. We were talking in the deacons meeting some about worship. What, what is worship? And worship really is focused on God, isn't it? Not, not focused on ourselves. I fear that too much that is called worship today is far more man-centered than it is God-centered. It's focused on our emotions, our desires, rather than, rather than on who God is. The more we focus, that's the great irony though, the more we focus on ourselves, the less joy, the less happiness, the less purpose we will have. But the more we focus on God and get off of ourselves, the better we will become, the more joy we will have. And so it is a great paradox that if you want, if I want, and if we want in our lives to have more joy and more happiness, we need to quit thinking about ourselves as much. It's just that simple. We need to focus on the Lord. And his word. And ironically, we then 
have more joy, more fulfillment. Because he'll lead us not only to, to focus on him, but to focus on others, to help others, to share his love with other people. And that has a way of gladdening our hearts, changing our hearts. God's word, though, sets the standard very high undefiled now this doesn't mean that it's possible for us to be sinless in and of ourselves but this is talking about the person who submits to God and God by his power and his grace cleanses us the Bible says from all unrighteousness all of our righteousness is as filthy rags but the Lord makes us righteous and of course we have the vantage point of what Christ has done on the cross for us in the resurrection and that he offers complete forgiveness to those who will trust in him. And so as we see this word undefiled, it's blessed is the person who is submitted to, to the Lord and has been cleansed by his power and grace, who walk in the law, in the word of the Lord. God's word will bring us to Christ so that we might be made right in his sight. But we have to seek him with the whole heart, with a desire to worship him and to honor him. It's important for us as Christians, we talked about this some this morning, for us in our lives to be obedient, to avoid sin. As God leads us to listen to what he tells us. And his word will always lead us to, to truth and away from error. R.G. Lee said, speaking of the Bible, All of its enemies have not torn one hole in its holy vesture, nor stolen one flower from its wonderful garden, nor diluted one drop of honey from its abundant hive nor broken one string on its thousand-stringed harp, nor drowned one sweet word in infidel ink. All of the attempts to try to discredit God's word or to ban it or to burn it or to keep it from being available has not changed the truth of it at all. It's just the same. It will stand forever because it is the word of the Lord, it is the law of the Lord. And people can try to make their own laws that abrogate, that go against the law of the Lord, the truth of God's word. But it will come to naught because standing there at the end of time will be the truth, the truth of the word of God. Psalm 119.89 that we'll eventually get to says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word of the Lord is settled in heaven. It's not up for debate. It's not up to be amended or to be added to or to be altered in any way. It is the word of the Lord. And so as we give ourselves over to it, to what God has in his word, it is a high standard. In fact, it's such a high standard that it brings us to Christ because, you see, it exposes human weakness. Verses 5 and 6 bears that out. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed 
when I look into all your commandments. See what the word of God was doing even to this psalmist? When he looked at the law of the Lord, it made him ashamed. It made him ashamed because it exposed sin in his life. It exposed human weakness. God's word, it, it shows us the truth of who we are, that we are sinners and that we need the help of God. What is it that the scripture says about really the law in the Old Testament? It is like a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law was never intended, meaning the Ten Commandments, all the rules and the regulations. God never intended that to be the means of salvation for anybody. In fact, it was given to show us how sinful we are, how broken we are. We can't keep the law. We can't keep the Ten Commandments. That's the point. We can't. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why God sent Jesus. So that in our brokenness, he can take us and forgive us and give us life everlasting. And so God's word, when we open ourselves to it, will expose our weakness. Now, that's why a lot of people don't want to read the Bible. It makes them uncomfortable. Well, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's supposed to make me uncomfortable. It's supposed to show us who we are through the eyes of God. But that process is important because it brings us to our knees. It brings us to the place where we then say, oh, God, help me. And he does. He does help us. And so God's word always will expose human weakness. And so that's why this psalmist said, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. He was wishing that there was some way that he would be directed and guided so that he could be obedient to God. He wanted to be obedient to God so that he wouldn't have to be ashamed when he read the law of the Lord. Well, that's now possible, isn't it? Because God has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit brings us to the point of conviction that we are sinners and that we want to confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And what, so what this psalmist here prayed for is now fulfilled through the person of Jesus Christ. And we have experienced the fulfillment of what this psalmist was asking for. Then I would not be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed anymore because we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. His righteousness has made us right in the sight of God. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. God's word produces a cry for help. Do you see that? It, it, it exposes human weakness, sinfulness, the psalmist talked about being ashamed. And now it produces this cry for help. Oh, do not, don't forsake me utterly. Don't throw me away, God. Help me is what the psalmist is saying. And God's word produces in us not only an awareness of our need, but it helps us then to cry out to God and to say, help me, 
Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me what you want me to be. It, it provokes in us a deeper understanding of who we are and who God is. And that God is willing to forgive us. To help us. Paul bore witness to this kind of experience when he talked in Romans 7 and 8, you know, about this struggle of being uh, in the presence of sin, being tempted to sin and sinning, and yet being able to cry out in Romans chapter 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, yes, the word of God, as we open ourselves to it, will show us our sinfulness, our weakness, but it also brings us to God's grace and leads us to cry out to him and ask him for his help, the, the help that only he can give. So you see, we need more than just Bible study or more than just opening ourselves to the Word of God. The Word of God is given to us to bring us to Christ. We need Christ. And Christ is presented in the Scripture, foretold in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And so the, the Bible study is not an end in itself. It's not the goal. The goal is Christ. The goal is our relationship with God. But the Bible brings us to that place, shows us who God is, what he wants, and how we can have eternal life. We need the, the atoning work of Christ. We need the saving work of Jesus. But the word of God prepares us for that, shows us what Jesus did, and then helps us to receive his love and his grace. So the Bible is essential. And if you don't put your focus on what God's word says. Then you're wide open to what anybody else says. And there's an awful lot of. Uh, there are a lot of charlatans. There's a lot of false prophecy. And, and uh, false theology out there. And the only way that you'll avoid that. Is to be rooted in what. God's word says the law of the Lord is perfect. An unknown author said about the Bible, these hath God married and no man shall part. Dust on the Bible and drought in the heart. If there's dust on the Bible, if it's never opened, if there's no attention to the word of God, there will be drought in the heart. But when you open yourself to what God would say to you, as this psalmist is urging us to do, then we will find the life that only God can give. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the beginning verses of this amazing psalm. We pray, Lord, that we will truly meditate on it, think on it, ponder it in the week ahead. And we pray that you will teach us your will and your way. Thank you, Lord, that the Bible has been given to us that we might find 
your truth, your heart, and to find the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you'll lead us now in this time of invitation. And if there are decisions or commitments that we need to make here tonight, there may be a public decision that someone needs to make to follow Jesus or to rededicate their life to him. Or perhaps a private commitment to say, Lord, I am going to be open to your word. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to open it. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to trust you to speak to my heart. Lord, we pray that we'll leave here committed to you and to your word. And may your will be done now in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.